You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Being dismissed to junior church now. And by the way, be praying for a tray you today. We are uh, so blessed to have uh, preachers in the church, and one of those, uh, of course, is pastoring a church in Akron now. But uh, Trey you's filling in for Michael today over there in Akron, so be in prayer for him. If you would please turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 18, and we're also going to be using some verses out of Ephesians and some other places as well. And I want to preach to you today on this thought of God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. When you think of God today, I wonder what you picture. I wonder what you imagine when you think of God. And I'll say that uh, you know as well as I know that some people do have a very poor view of God today. And you know, a lot of times these are because of uh, previous circumstances that they've encountered. And honestly, uh, it's pretty understandable. But in Jeremiah, we're presented with a picture of a hands-on God with a plan for your life with purpose and with patience with God working on you. Now, in, as you're there in Jeremiah 18, I want you to consider Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, where the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in Him. In them, I'm sorry. Now, we get our word masterpiece from the word that's used for workmanship there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Now, I want to say this morning quickly, just as an introductory point, that we're all God's masterpiece in creation. The Bible says it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed... Man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. The Bible says in Psalm 139 verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you have a problem with the way you're made today? I've often had a problem with the way I've, I'm made. Uh, I've often wished I was taller. Uh, you know, I used to play basketball quite a bit. And why'd you laugh, Trey? Uh, I used to play basketball quite a bit. But maybe the reason Trey's laughing is, number one, he's played with me before. Number two, uh, with my size, uh, there was a time, Trey, I don't know if I get around. I get around you. I get a step on you, Trey. What do you think? Yeah, but, uh, but there was a time that I might be quick enough to get around Trey. Maybe not Trey, actually, but some people. Uh, but, man, I get to the rim and I get my shot blocked because I'm short. You know what's no fun? It's no fun when, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to think the first time Evan blocked my shot. He was probably 15 years old. That's no fun getting your shot blocked by your 15-year-old son, Phil. Uh, no fun at all. All right, And so there's times I've wished I was taller. But in all reality, folks, what I'm saying is this. The Bible says that when you were in your mother's womb, God covered you. And that God fashioned you. So therefore, I'm okay with the way that God's made me. Amen? 
Uh, I've got to be okay with that because that's what he did and he's wise. And so uh, there's a sense, and we could preach a lot about, uh, you know, I mean, man, the DNA sequence and, and strands and all the amazing thing, things of the human body. We really are a masterpiece in terms of creation. But I want to focus on another aspect of this today. We are God's masterpiece in terms of salvation and sanctification. And we get a good picture of that here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 18. And I just want to read the first four verses of Jeremiah 18, where the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. When I went down to the potter's house, and beheld, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. And you go down through the rest of this chapter, and the interpretation of this chapter in Jeremiah is God is talking about His dealings with the nation of Israel, and how that Israel was a a, a people that He had plucked up out of the clay and out of the mud and began to make something out of, but they wobbled and they fell and they were marred in the hands of the potter. But God says, I'm not done with the nation of Israel. That's the real uh, direct message of Jeremiah 18. However, we can make an application to learn some valuable principles about this picture of Almighty God, our God as the potter. Now, I wonder today as you think about this, he said go down to the potter's house. And no doubt when Jeremiah walked in the potter's house, he saw some beautiful pottery that was made. All right, And, and if you come up here, you'd see some beautiful pottery. This is one of my favorites. You can see a little girl up here doing like this. She may have been the one that made this work of art. It's a little butterfly cut out. And, uh, and then Evan, in his pottery class, he made this. So he's a little bit more talented when it comes to art. No, I'm just kidding you. We bought that in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> he made this one. You're supposed to be going, ooh, ah, you know, and all that. But so he goes into the potter's house, and he sees the vessels around there. Uh, He sees these masterpieces. He sees these very practical utensils there. But what we find out here is what God values. Listen to me. One of the lessons that we learn here, a principle, is about what God values. See, because Jeremiah no doubt would have walked right by the the, the valley of Ben-Hanam, and that's where a lot of the clay would have been brought out of. Clay is brought out of old creeks and beds and river valleys, and and that's where these masterpieces come from. Does anybody want to see a masterpiece today? Anybody want to see God's masterpiece? I'm talking about what God values. So God has to get down, and uh, I just had this great idea today, Nicole. I'm just like, I'm just going to dress really nice today. Uh, and we're going to see if I regret that. Uh, but, but God goes down and he values because he has to go somewhere. And I'm telling you, it takes effort for this potter to get to where this, this masterpiece is, okay? And, and this, this potter has to be willing to get down and get in to get this masterpiece out. Oh boy, it's a, it's a beauty, I'm telling you. You want to see it? There it is. Yes, ooh, lovely, isn't it? Just a lovely piece of art and a lovely piece of work. And, and, and honestly, what God's trying to teach us today is this is the clay. What God values. When God wants a masterpiece, what does He go looking for? Isn't it beautiful? 
You see it? Anybody want to smell it? Uh, what is it that God goes looking for? You know what? He, God looks at that right there and He says, that'll do right there. That right there is perfect. And so the, the, the value, what, what it is that God values. I mean, you think about that. See, this image reminds us of the horrible pit out of which we were drawn. When the master potter came looking for us, he found us in the filth of our sins. We were lost. We were without hope. But with great love and infinite care, our Savior comes and draws us out of the filthy pit. The Bible says in Psalm 40, verse number 2, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. See, you and I, the Bible says it's like we were in a pit. Lost in a pit of sin. Lost in a pit of darkness. And there was only one way that you and I could get brought out. One of the things I forgot to do, uh, Anna, I meant to go back and try to find a little arm of one of the dolls or something back there and stick it in here. little hand sticking up out of here. Because I was going to try to illustrate the idea of us being down in this pit trying to reach up and having no... This clay ain't crawling out of that, that pit. I'm just telling you that right now. The only way this clay gets out of that pit is if somebody goes and gets it. And, and that, that's the same for you and I. The only way that you and I can be saved is if somebody comes and gets us. And Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm glad for a Savior that was willing. I, already, my hands are filthy, already. You want to know something? Jesus was okay getting His hands dirty. He was okay getting his hands dirty. He was okay coming down to where you and I were at. It reminds, us of, reminds me of a story that I heard years ago about a boy who just had a dog that he adored. However, the cover had come off the septic tank. Dog had fallen down in the septic tank. Man, they tried everything. They tried like putting boards down in there to see if the, the dog could maybe grab some traction on the board. And, and the dad, he tried, you know trying to you know, get a lasso and, and rope it out, but he wasn't too good with the rope and couldn't get that figured out. You could see the dog was down in that mess, down in that muck, down in that stank, and he was losing strength. He was losing energy. And finally, the dad, it was just the boy and the dad out there. He said, son, he said, the only way we're going to be able to get him out of there is if you're willing to go get him. So he tied that rope around his son and that son willingly went down in that nasty tank to rescue that dog out of that pit. And what I want to tell you today is I'm glad that, that one day God looked at you and He looked at me and He saw us in the sin that we were in. He saw us in our lost condition and God the Father looked over at God the Son and said, Son, there's only one way to get them. You're going to have to go down there and get them if you're going to get them. And I'm telling you, Jesus came down into this earth. Jesus took on the form of man so that He might come down and get us. He come down, got His hands dirty, and He got us out. Folks, I'm telling you, that's the vision of God. That's the value of God, I should say. He looked at this and said, I see something there. I'm so glad, hallelujah. I don't care what your background is today. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how deep in the pit of sin that you have sunk. I'm glad that there's still a mighty hand. I'm still glad there's a loving hand. There's a Savior that's still willing to reach down to the uttermost parts. He's a Savior that's willing to reach down further than we could ever reach up 
Folks, He's a Savior who cares. He's a Savior who loves. He's a Savior who is still reaching down in the muck and mire to save you and I. That's, that's good news, isn't it? See, because there's a lot of people around us. You know what? People say, you know what? I've tried religion. And you know why religion ain't really no good? Because this is about the best religion can do. I talk to people, hey, hey uh, do you know Christ as your Savior? Oh, uh, oh, preacher, I've been baptized. Oh. You know, that's, that's nice. I'm Catholic. I'm Baptist. I'm Lutheran. I'm whatever else. You know. Okay. But I'm not asking you if somebody put a bow on your stinky sin. I'm asking if somebody reached down and rescued you. I'm, I'm, asking, I'm not asking you what you've done. I'm not asking you what some church has done. I'm asking, has Jesus saved your soul? Because the only way any of us are getting out of that muck and that mire, folks, is if He comes gets us. Amen? And so we see what God values today. He values that which looks to anybody else. I mean, how many people walk by a riverbed and are just walking by and say, Ooh, what's that? You know, and you just see a clump there. I'm telling you, it, but it takes effort because normally somebody that's trying to find good clay that, that's going to be good to make stuff out of, they got to do a lot of walking, a lot of hiking, a lot of digging, a lot of dirt, a lot of effort. And I'm telling you, God went through great lengths to get to where you are. So we see the value of the potter. What is it that God values? Folks, I'm glad today that He values us. Will you think about that for a minute? I just can't help to think about that. Every time I grab and touch this clay, how dirty I get and how much it gets on my hands. And I start thinking about the hands of God. You know, the hands of God are kind of a theme throughout the Bible, definitely throughout this message. See, you think about this. His hands are where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Think about what God has done with His hands. The hands that shaped the world's measured the seas in the palm of his hands, molded man from the dust of the earth. Those mighty hands became tiny hands. And those, can you imagine Jesus' little tiny hands, the hands that measured out the waters, uh, later on being wrapped around Mary's finger? Little soft baby hands. But we know those hands grew as Jesus grew, and those hands were later surrendered into the hands of a vile Roman soldier who Jesus allowed to lay those hands over on that cross, and He allowed them to drive a nail right through those hands, this hand and that hand, as He died on the cross for you and for me. Think about that. We know that three days later, these hands were the same hands that He used to comfort His followers. It's, it's the hands that He will use one day to convince Israel that He is their Messiah. You read about that in Zechariah. He's going to show the wounds in His hands and in His feet. Uh, listen, throughout eternity, folks, we are going to look on those hands and we're going to remember the great, great price that He paid for us. We're going to remember the, the, the might of His creation as we think about His hands. We're going to think about His love in redemption and His wisdom in purpose today. 
See, those hands are the same hands that one day, matter of fact, it's coming up on 30 years here pretty soon. Uh, listen, I was lost in sin. I was down in a pit of sin. I was down over in what they called, you hadn't heard it in a while, so I'm going to tell you again. But I was down in a place called Greasy Corner. That's what they called the part of town I was in. I was lost in sin. I was down in a pit of sin. I mean, I'm telling you, I was just uh, strung out and messed up and losing all hope of life. Oh, when a great big old hand reached down in the pit and pulled me out. Amen. Hallelujah. When the Savior reached down for me, He had to reach way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son when He reached down His hand for me and brought me out of the clay. Folks, I want to tell you today, I wonder if any of you have been brought up out of that pit, out of the miry clay. He'll put your feet on a rock. He'll establish your goings. And I'm telling you, that's the same hand Let me make clear, if you don't get nothing else today, that's the same hand that's reaching out to you today if you do not know Christ as your Savior. That same hand is reaching this far. You just have to go this far. You just have to be willing to say, Yes, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to become my Savior. Oh, the hands of God, the value of God. God looks at this and He sees a masterpiece, which is quickly my second point, God's vision. He sees, he sees what we are, but I'm glad that's not all. God sees what we can become. Amen. Amen. God sees, my kids are hating me right now. You try to be a pastor's kid sometime. It's just not easy all the time, okay? Uh, but, uh, but listen, God doesn't just see it for what it is. God sees it for what it can become. Oh, listen, I'm glad. Listen, there aren't too many people that ever thought, I promise you, if you would have looked at me before Jesus found me, if you would have looked at me when I was in that pit of sin, you would not have said to yourself, oh, man. There's the next pastor of Elk Point Baptist Church. Of course, Elk Point Baptist Church wasn't a thing back then, but you wouldn't have said that. You you would not. I promise you, I promise you, if you could go back and look at me, if you could go walk those high school halls with me, if you could come to my uh, loser, messed up, drug and drinking living, you wouldn't say, man, that's my next, that's going to be my pastor. That's him. I mean, listen, there's not, nobody would have looked and said, that's going to be a man that's madly in love with his wife for 25 years. That's him. That's a man that loves his kids and is not perfect, but loves his kids and tries to do right. That looks like him. No, nobody saw that, but God saw it. I've told you this before. Uh, People didn't, people saw me for what they saw me. And I'm telling you, man, I was hopeless. I still am without him. But I'm glad His hand is still on my life. Amen? God's vision. He doesn't just see it as a lump. He sees it for what it is, but He also sees it for what it can become. Amen? We need to quit being so performance-based. Can I say that in our, in our Christianity? You know? See, some churches, and I'm telling you, there's some churches, well-meaning churches, that they're not working on pottery. One of the things I like about, this is a beautiful piece that I made. I've already told you I got it from Mexico. But one of the things that I like about it is that it's it's imperfect. You can't tell it, but I can stick my finger in this little handle, but I can't even get it in there. You want to know why? Because it's not exactly perfect. Somebody made this by hand, and so therefore some of the things are off about it, but yet it's still beautiful, okay? But while I think about that today, I think about that because uh, it's just like us. 
See, some people, they, they want church to be a manufacturing situation. They want it to be like, you know, I used to work with, work with, uh, with punch presses. I'm going to get in trouble if this stuff starts coming off. Uh, Deidre's watching me back there, okay? But anyway, um, uh, but, but you just punch it out. I've told you before, put the calipers on it. Everybody's got to look the same, act the same, talk the same, all that. There's all kinds of problems with that. Number one, it's not scriptural. The Bible says we're supposed to grow. We have the fruit of the Spirit. You, can't, you don't put calipers on fruit. Oh, let's see the length of that banana. Yep, that'll be 32 and this many thousandths. Nope, doesn't work that way. Not at all. It grows. One banana's this big, one banana's that big, one apple's this big. It's, it grows. Let it grow. Let it grow. People call me a compromiser. Why? I'm just trying to let people grow. No, 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 preacher. You've got to stamp it out, man. They're not, they're, not, they're not meeting the right specs. That's not of God. God molds and He makes. And I'm telling you, He's working with people that are imperfect. I, I, I love what I'm talking about, the vision of the potter, the vision of God. God sees you for what you can be. I think of Michelangelo. There's a beautiful angel. I was going to get these pictures. Uh, you ought to look it up. But one of the most beautiful angels that Michelangelo ever carved. I, I love what he said about that. He, he, he looked at a big block of marble, a big block of marble. And here's what Michelangelo said. He said, uh, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. See, some of you think you're already the finished angel. But you're not. See, God's still carving on us. Amen. He, see, he saw the angel and he just kept chipping away until it was a masterpiece. That's what God's doing with me. Folks, this is not the finished product, okay? This is, not what, this is not the perfect Christian up here today, but this is Christianity. You know why? Because I'm just a flawed person. I'm just a flawed person that's been brought up out of the pit and God's molding and He's making and He's, and he's carving on. So, so the vision of God. I, I, I love this. Uh, you know, Michelangelo again, uh, Donatello had rejected this piece of marble because it had a flaw in it. Fifty years before Michelangelo, Donatello rejected this big piece of marble because it had a flaw. It literally basically went to the scrap pile of marble. Fifty years it sat there. Michelangelo walks back there and he sees the flaw, but he looks at it and he says, you know what, I think David might be in there. I think David might be in there. And he took that rejected piece of stone and carved.
That's their second battery that's died today. It's all right, though. Um, but uh, so as we think about that, we got a few that's done it. Again, I've told you already that I'm a potter. I, I wish I could show you the ashtrays that I've made. I don't have those today. Uh, but, uh, but, but just I want to talk to you a little bit about the process. The very first thing after the potter goes and finds the clay, digs the clay out like he did for you and I when you got saved. And if you don't know Christ today, I hope that you won't leave today. Shoot, i got to stay by this thing. I hope that you won't leave today uh, until you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you're sa- once he saves you, the very first thing that the, that the clay, when you're working the clay, the first thing you've got to do is wedge it. Megan's watching me with eagle eyes back there to make sure I tell you right. Uh, uh, but uh, So hopefully, but you wedge it, all right? So you take the clay and you wedge it and you work it. And those hands, those hands are still working that clay and pushing that clay and kneading that clay. And what's going on there is the kneading process, and you're applying water. See, the Bible says that the Word of God and the Spirit of God are water, like a pitcher of water. And water gets applied, and you keep it wet, and you're pushing it, and you're, you're pulling it, and you're, you're pounding it some. And one of the things you're trying to do, you're smoothing it out. You're trying, there, there's, there's little bubbles that get in there. You're trying to get those bubbles out because that'll be flaws later on. I think they got a video. Uh, I think so. We'll see, or it could just be weird. All right, so here we go. This is showing the actual process once it's on the wheel. Look at those hands. I'm glad God don't mind getting his hands dirty. You kind of see there, working toward that finished product. She's working it out here, getting those hands wet on the wheel. But in a minute, there it goes. It's marred in the hands of the potter. That's what we read there in Jeremiah, marred in the hands of the potter. So here's the wedging, moving it, working it, just like the Lord does, patiently. Then he puts, and right now, that right there was called, what's that called, Megan? That's called uh, uh, the, the shaping, um, the opening. When you start putting your thumb in the middle, trying to get it opened up to where it's a vessel, again, God works, but once again, the clay is marred in the hands of the potter. Uh, but the potter, look, just works it again. You want to know something that uh, the, uh, the potter does not do? You listen to this very carefully. The potter never goes some, he never goes over to the trash can and just goes, done with that. You see what that potter's doing on there? They just get it again. All right, I'm not done with you. Hey, has a church ever been done with you? Has a, a family ever been done with you? God's not done with you. He just keeps working, patiently working, and there again, let's do it again. Same process, over again. Aren't you glad? I mean, over and over. He molds us. He makes us. He's working us into the image of Christ. Look how dirty those hands are getting. Man, I'm telling you what, it's a dirty job dealing with people like us. But then he, he gets that product. And from that product being shaped, it has to dry. And then from the drying process, and I'm just skipping ahead for whatever it ends up showing, it goes from drying and then it has to, once it dries, you can't let it get too dry, but you let it dry long enough to where you can put it into the bisque fire. In other words, it's heat. And you'll have to put it in there for over a thousand degrees to heat the clay in order for it to begin to become something. And then that you put it in the fire, then you bring it out after it cools and you glaze it. And then it goes in for another firing, okay? And we could just stop right there, I suppose, Ryan. Uh, but... The point that I'm just simply trying to make is when you think about what God does, He wedges, He pushes. You ever feel like God's pushing you a little bit? 
Maybe God put somebody in your life that's pushing you. You know what they're trying to do? They may be just, they just may be an instrument in God's hand trying to help mold you in the right way, trying to push you in the right way. Listen, the Bible says this, Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? You know what I need to be okay with? I need to be okay if God decides to make me an right? Uh, or if God wants to make me a soap dish. Or if he wants to make me another vessel. It's just fine because I just trust God, whatever you want with my life, here it is. You mold me. You make me. You know one of the popular things in, in, in the world of Christianity today? People like this idea. They like, see, this, 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 they say that the clay can tell the potter what the potter ought to do. And if the clay bleeds it hard enough, the potter's got to do it. Not the way it works. No, we just surrender our lives into the potter's hands and just say, Lord, thy, just like Jesus said, thy will be done. He molds it. He makes it. He's wedging it. And after it's put on that wheel, you think about that shaping process. That shaping process, God, and again, the potter, you know what the potter does to do? He doesn't take his hands off. All the time his hands are there, working, working. And as we saw on there, as it spun around, the centrifugal force is pulling the clay this way, pulling the clay that way. We get pulled weekly, daily, do we not? But I'm glad God's hand is there so but the good thing is, those times that we do fall, you see that clay? It'll just get wobbly, 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 and then collapse. You ever do like that? I've gotten wobbly before. I've fallen flat before. It's okay for Potter. Potter just puts his hands right down there. It's okay. Work it again. Patiently working. Patiently working. God's not in a hurry, by the way. Uh, it's got to dry. It's set aside by itself. But it dries just the right. You ever go through some dry spells in your life? Lord, why do I not feel why, why is it just, it feels so long since I've come to church and felt anything? Number one, the Christian life isn't about feeling, is it? It's about faith. But we learn that sometimes through that drying process. I told you before, putting it into the fire. It goes into a fire of about a thousand degrees. And this will help bring it to maturity. Listen to this. We go through trials in our life. Peter called it this, the fiery trial that tries our soul. And he said uh, there, uh, when, when we think about that, the clay, when it goes into the fire, its molecular structure is actually transformed from a soft, pliable substance into that which is strong and durable. The Bible says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the Lord. And so that fire transforms us. It transforms our structure. I love Isaiah 43, verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Once it comes out of this first fire, again, it's decorated, it's glazed, it, it's waterproofed is what the glaze has a very practical uh, application as well. But the potter decorates it or seals it, and he does. I'm telling you, that's what God is doing in our life with the fruit of the Spirit. And then it goes for another firing, the soda firing. Folks, this temperature may get over 2,000 degrees. 
So you say, I went through the fire, man. I'm glad I made it through that. God said, oh, no, no, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I got another fire to put you in. All right? And he, so he puts into that soda firing. And I want to tell you this, the, the, last, the last hour, the last moments of that soda firing, that second firing, are the hottest. That's when it meets, hits its max temperature, but there's good news. Do you feel like you're hitting the max temperature? There's good news because once you hit the max temperature, bam, you come out. Amen. The heat goes off and says, okay, that's good. And see, our God loves us, so he knows not to put too much heat on. I got one last little illustration that I uh, want to give, and, and it don't totally fall into the whole working of the clay, but some of you remember this. When I think about a masterpiece, I think about kintsuji. Kintsuji is an ancient Japanese art of repairing pottery. Do you got those pictures by chance, Ryan? Uh, and it's, it's, uh, look at this. So what happened is this, this was a vessel, this was a bowl that was broken. Once useful, but it was broken. Now when the bowl was repaired, the way we like the idea of repairing things, we like the idea of repairing things, look, you could never tell anything was wrong with it. But this Japanese, it wasn't meant to be an art form at first, but it turned into a Jap- You know what? We're not going to hide our flaws. We're going to put gold there. Because what happens is it portrays another beauty. Some people try to go around like they've never been broken. Like they've never been hurt. Like they've never gotten, like they've never doubted. Like they've never been frustrated. Like they've never fallen. Not us. We say, you know what? No, I'm broken. I'm kind of messed up. But I want you to see, I want you to see the grace that's put me back together again. I want you to see the grace that has made me useful again. And so I'm telling you, there's a couple of great pictures there. Number one, God goes down into that pit to get the clay. He's got a vision for that clay. When that clay gets wobbly and when that clay falls, God doesn't say, well, I'm done with that junk. You ever thought that to yourself? God's got to be done with this junk. I've wobbled one too many times. I've fallen one too many times. Not for the potter. Maybe for some church somewhere. Maybe for somebody in your family, but not for Jesus. Amen. Oh, no, I, I, I thought I was done. I thought I was finished. I, I, I thought I was looking beautiful, but then I fell and I was broken. It's okay. It's okay. He'll put you back together again. He'll put you back together again. Amen. So God's masterpiece. Amen. Let's all stand and be prepared to be dismissed. But before we do, I want to go back to one of the earlier things I asked, and that's this. Number one, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today? If you don't, Don't just try to put a bow on your sin. Understand that Jesus wants to save you today. He died for you. He rose again for you. Those hands spread out on a cross one day for you. And folks, I'm telling you, if you don't know Jesus, He'll save you today. Danny, would you please come play on the piano? Uh, if, If you don't know Jesus, listen, He will save you today. He will. He's reaching out His hand to you. All you've got to do is just simply, listen, you think about how far Jesus came, all the way from heaven to that manger, to the cross, rose again the third day, and think about this, I'm not even kidding, then he comes right now with his hand outstretched to you right where you are. (laughs) That's it. And you just got to be willing by faith to say, Jesus, yes, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me. And I'm telling you, he'll bring you up out of that pit, and he'll put you on the wheel and start working. Child of God, have you given up? Have you believed the lies that you've gone too far, that you've messed up one too many times? It is just that. It's a lie. 
because you're here right now and God wants to make you again another vessel for his glory and for his honor. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for your faithfulness. I thank you for the day, God, that you came and reached down and saved my soul, changed my life, and Lord, I'm a mess today. Lord, for you to keep on working on me, God, you've got to have hands like the way mine look today. But I'm glad you keep on working anyway, Lord. I appreciate your patience and love and your long-suffering. You've got a vision for my life. You've got a vision. You've got a purpose. Everybody here is yours in creation. But God, I pray that today those that don't know you as Savior will become yours in salvation. And those of us that are saved, God, would just submit ourselves to you and say, Lord, make me as you see fit. I'll do what you'd have me to do. Right before we're dismissed in just a moment, I just got to ask you this question. I just want to tell you. How, somebody may ask us, well, how do I accept Christ? Yeah, reach out to you. Do you mean that uh, literally? Well, I mean it figuratively. But the Bible says with the, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if you believe from your heart, most everybody believes in their head. But if you believe in your heart, if you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you today, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on his name right now? From your heart, you could pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and life and be my Savior. Would you please forgive me of my sins? Save my soul. I commit myself to your hands. Make me as you see fit. Now just as words, those can just be words. But if you could say something like that from your heart today. You could know what it means to be in his hands. Amen. Hey, well, thank you for your patience today. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Jack, would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer?